Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So we are busy with the series of uh, the book or the letter to the Church of Ephesus. And uh, we in chapter four this morning, I just want to uh, do a quick recap uh, from last week. Um, but before I do so, Luke 24, 27 says from the Passion Translation, then he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself. This is Jesus talking or this talking about Jesus. And he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself through the scriptures. He started from the beginning and explained the writings of Moses and all of the prophets showing how they wrote of him. And revealed the truth about himself. And this is, this is a, a key to understanding the Bible. Understanding the word of God. Whenever we go to the word. We need to have this understanding. That the word is about Jesus. The Bible is about Jesus. It's a message about Christ. It's a message about God's desire. For his spirit living in man. And his spirit living through man. And we see this beautifully unfolding. In the, the, the letter to the church of Ephesus. Where. It starts all first three chapters building on our identity. This is who you are in Christ. This is who you've become in Christ. And then chapters four, five, and six, it's talking about how we're living this out. How are we living this Christ likeness out uh, because of this empowering, because of having the source of life inside of us. Amen. So just to understand when we're getting into the word that this needs to be our foundation. This needs to be our filter, so to speak. We can't come up with something that doesn't, uh, uh, end up with this being the message. We can't come up with something that is counter Jesus coming to die for our sins, Jesus being raised from the dead, and Jesus' spirit living inside of man. Like that is the message of the Bible. And we need to have that as a foundation and filter everything through there. So just a quick recap. Um, last week we looked at how one we are with Christ. And, um, but with that oneness, if we've distorted that view of that oneness, it will show in our lives. Ephesians 4 verse 20 and 21, it said, if you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Christ. And this is really what was on Paul's heart. It was for, for the hearers or the audience that he was ministering to, to come to know this. In Colossians, he writes about this, and he writes, verse 26, 27, he writes about his desire, his passion, is to make this reality known, the reality of Christ, to make it known to the believers. God's desire for us is oneness with him. It's for us to experience him, because as we experience him, there will be overflow. Now, a question to ask and to consider, what was very much on Paul's heart and mind? And you see what is on Paul's heart and mind as you study the word, as you study his letters, as you study his writings. What was very much on his heart was, was, what, was what was on God's heart. What is that? First Timothy 2 verse 4. For all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. We see this throughout the letters of the epistles or the apostles. A lot of what he writes about in chapter in the last three chapters of Ephesians has to do with our relationship with God. Ephesians 4.26, let's get in there. And uh, that is where we're starting off this morning. So that was just a quick recap that God's desire for us is to experience him, to experience intimacy with him. Because as a husband and wife is intimate, 
they conceive and they have a child. The same way as we are intimate with Christ, we receive his spirit firstly, but then from there, we enjoy that intimacy and we allow that to bring forth fruit in our lives, uh, fruitfulness and bear the fruit of Christ and the Holy Spirit. So Ephesians 4 verse 26 and 27 says, and now remember, this is in light of again, chapters 1, 2, and 3, talking about our identity. Okay. Uh, verse 4, 5, and 6 is talking about because of this identity, because of this new nature, we get to live differently than the world. Amen? Differently. Not the same, not blending in, but differently to the world. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, When angry, do not sin. Do not ever let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury, or your indignation last until the sun goes down. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. The King James says, be angry and sin not. Let the sun go down upon your wrath or let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Now, these are uh, two verses that have been uh, very much mis misinterpreted, misrepresented, but let's, let's go through them and ask some important questions. Okay. Let's look at the focus in on the King James. It says, be angry and sin not. Okay. So obviously, Paul here is making an emphasis that you can be angry and sin at the same time, or you can be angry and not sin, right? You guys get that. So obviously, having anger, but it's not sin, is something that we should, it's not time-bound, as the scripture kind of uh, almost implies. If you interpret it from the side of, hey guys, uh, we, 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 can, we, we can be angry, but we shouldn't sin. And then at the same time, it's saying, if I go to sleep tonight, then I must just make sure that there is no anger in my heart. Like if you're angry at your spouse, make sure you, you, you kind of deal with that and forgive her or have her forgive you before you go to sleep. That's not what the scripture is saying. It's making the emphasis and the point very much because we need to understand that without a righteous anger, without the anger of Christ, because Jesus got angry. But we need to understand what our anger is directed at. Our anger isn't directed at people. It's directed at the devil. It's directed at the, 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 the operation of the spirits behind the scenes. Our anger should be against sin. And now when I say sin, don't think actions of sin. Think the operation of sin, the, 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 the cause of sin. Think about the, 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 the unbelief that causes that sin. And how does someone... Go from unbelief to belief, discipleship. That's God's heart's desire. For all men to come to knowledge of the truth, that's discipleship. And you only un-unbelief, you only undo unbelief if you come to the knowledge of the truth. If you get discipled into the, the truth of the word. When you become a student of the word, not just a reader of the word. Not just someone who approaches the word with the, the mindset of, I want the word to, to, to say what I believe. How many of us struggle sometimes to, to let the word of God get in the way of what we believe? Anyone of you ever struggled with that? Where you're like, oh man, this is, I wish it didn't say that because I want to believe this. I wish it didn't say that. Or you don't even like wish that. You can actually make it sound like X, Y, and Z because then it lines up with what you believe. That is not what the word of God is for. It's there to challenge us. It's there to, to, to help us grow in the things of 
who we are in Christ. So getting back to the scripture, be angry, but sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Now, I want to do say that when we sin or when we make mistakes, we do create room for the devil. Why do I say by creating room for the devil? Firstly, when you sin, you give him a big opportunity to bring con- condemnation into your hearts. When you make mistakes and you continue to make those mistakes, you give him a room to speak condemnation over you. And when you're condemned, you feel unfit for use. When you feel unfit for use, you pacify to live out the life of Christ, to be a blessing to those people around you. So yes, if we do sin, we give place for the devil. But this isn't time-bound again. The scripture is not talking about, hey guys, just make sure that when you go to bed tonight, then you don't have any anger in your heart. That's not what it's saying when it's saying, do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. A lot of the Christian, the body of Christ, have become, has, has become insensitive or just too politically correct to stir the righteous anger of God in our lives. We've become too politically correct to be like, I don't want to offend that person. I just want everyone to like me. Anyone, anyone here enjoy people liking this? I enjoy people liking this. I don't mind saying that. I, I'm really like, it's, it's one of my, my uh, downfalls at times, wanting to be liked by everyone. What does the scripture say? The fear of man brings the snake. Or woe when all men speak well of you. So we need to understand that they, we shouldn't enjoy people not liking us, but we can't find our approval by men. We can't find and seek the approval of man. And the body of Christ largely has, has taken the scripture and just limited to specifically this idea of, of, of sin and anger and sin being linked. Whereas Paul is actually writing in context, what is he writing to the church of Ephesus about? He's writing about fruitfulness. He's writing about the identity of Christ. He's writing about his identity in you and through you. And what's God's desire? What's his will for all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth? What is part of that? It's having an understanding of righteous anger. When you see poverty, it should make you angry. When you see people uh, being mistreated, it should make you angry. But you're not being angry at the people. We, we need to uh, uh, always discern in our hearts and check with our hearts, am I getting angry at this person or am I getting angry at what is happening, what's taking place in this moment? We, t- we need to understand the fruit of sin, the fruit of making mistakes, the fruit of, of living wrongly, so to speak, or sinning, is a result of belief or a result of unbelief, wrong belief. So again, coming back to the word, coming back to discipleship is the important thing with regards to growing out of the sin that we are falling into. And that is why Paul is, is writing, we see it throughout his letters, it's always about making the love of Christ known and growing in that, growing in that understanding. We saw that in Ephesians 1, his prayer was for the church to grow in their understanding, grow in their knowledge of the truth. Not grow in their knowledge of the Bible. The Bible is true, but the, 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 the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of those religious people, they knew the Bible, but they didn't know Jesus. 
That's why Jesus needed to go to the scriptures, to Genesis, Mal- up until Malachi, uh, and expound unto them, bring, bring revelation to them. What is the Bible about? What are you reading about? It's not just a book. It's not just some fancy words. It's not history. It's a message. It's a message about God's love for the world. It's a message about God's spirit living in man, and that's God's desire. On the topic of anger, your love must be real. Hate what is evil. Do only what is good. Why is that important? This is awesome. You almost see the sandwich effect. Your life must be real. It's the top bun. Hate what is evil. It's the fact in the middle. Do only what is good. It's the bottom bun. It's like the sandwich. I'm also hungry. What am I implying with this? Hating what is evil is doing good. Hating what is evil is having real love for someone. We also looked at this uh, a few weeks ago. Share the truth and love. Share the truth oftentimes is going to mean standing up towards something. Not standing up towards someone. We need to get this. The, fla- the ba- battleism against flesh and blood. What does that mean? It's people. The battleism against people. It's against the enemy. It's against the operation of the enemy. And what does the enemy often uh, cause? He causes deception. He causes uh, misinterpretation. For my people are destroyed. Why? Because the enemy are so clever. Because the devil is so strong. No, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What they don't know. What they don't understand. And by that there's a destruction. It's only by coming to know, coming to experience the truth of who Christ is that we get to enjoy the freedom that he brought us. Proverbs 8.13 says that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And then he goes to explain some, some of the, 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 the evil. Pride, arrogancy, evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. So clearly, and these are just a few examples, there's a time and there's a place to hate evil. To have a righteous anger inside of ourselves. But that isn't talking about self-righteous anger. What's self-righteous anger? It's when you are angry at something or at someone even, and you think you are better than them. That's not righteous anger. That's not godly anger. When you put yourself in a better position to that person, you're comparing yourself to them, and you're feeling inferior to them. You're feeling there's a, there's a self-righteousness in you. Against what is happening there. That is not what the word is talking about. It's talking about a righteous anger, godly anger. And a heart's desire should always not to be angry at the sin, so to speak, or angry at the mistake without bringing in the truth of the word so they can grow out of that. Right? It's no point in telling someone, hey, you're missing the mark, but you're not showing them what is the mark. Jesus is the mark. Growing in your identity in Christ is the mark. Coming close to Him, enjoying intimacy with Him is the mark. The other awesome thing with this is, but I really see this, this scripture talking about in Ephesians. If we become passive in our callings as sons of God, as children of God, and what we are created for, then we're also giving place to the devil. Because it's only by knowing who Christ is and knowing Christ in us that we get to resist the devil. 
James 4 verse 7 says that we need to submit ourselves to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. So it's vitally important for us to understand what we are created for, what our callings is as children of God, as sons of God, as daughters of God. And it's firstly and primarily to know him, to know him intimately, to enjoy fellowship with him. That is submitting to God. And from that place, from that point, from that driving force, we can overcome evil. We can resist the devil and see him flee from us. When do we stop fighting? When do we stop resisting? It's not a rhetorical question. When do we stop fighting? When do we stop resisting? Never. Think about war, for example. When does, when does in battle, the one side of the camp, when do they stop attacking and stop fighting? When do they, they let their guard down? They don't let their guard down. Because what happens when you let your guard down? Your position comes back at you and you lose ground. Think about it in, in rugby and sports terms. When do you stop attacking and be on the, the, the offense in order to put points on the board? When do you stop that? You don't stop that. Because as soon as you stop attacking, the opponents are attacking. They're putting, someone is putting points on the board. So in light of our spiritual walk with Christ and resisting the devil, we cannot become passive at this righteous anger and the things of God that he desires for us to see us uh, enjoy in this life and see the rest of the world enjoy. We can't become passive at this because someone is taking ground. I'm going to say that again. Someone is taking ground. Either we, the church of God, is taking ground or the devil is taking ground. We can't become passive at the things of God that He's called us to and God's desire for the world to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. All of us play a part in this. Maybe you're not playing your part. It's not a condemning word. Because a challenging word is a good word. Or a good word is a challenging word. A challenging word can often just be a, a realization that, hey, I haven't seen it like that. Cool. Am I going to accept the challenge to step into that? Or am I just going to be fine with, that's a little bit uncomfortable, I'm not going to go there. It's your decision. We're not going to love you less for choosing either of those decisions. God isn't going to love you less for choosing just to be kind of comfortable with your ticket to eternal life. But your life, listen to me, your life is going to be more fruitful, enjoyable if you come to know what you were created for. You were created to shine, to manifest the love of Christ in your lives. That doesn't matter what stage of life that you are in. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter whether you're single or whether you're married. Your calling as a child of God does not change. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. Like I said, someone is taking ground. There's no passivity. There's no neutral for the Christian life. That, that doesn't mean that your, 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 your identity as a believer is changed by whether you're passive or you're not passive. Your identity is secure. You're as, you as mature as you'll ever be in the spirit. 
one with Christ. That doesn't change. But I want to mature more in my actions to have my actions line up with those of Christ. Because our actions change, right? Anyone of your actions has changed and you've kind of gone backwards or forwards maybe with regards to how you do things? Thank you, Nikita. Thank you, Rian. Domino effect, you guys are like, then it's coming. <laughs> nice, good night. Um, so it's, it's to come to realize that Christ wants the Spirit of God in us to come out to the surface and bring change into how we deal with people, how we relate with people. Then down to Ephesians 4, 28 and 29. Let this, now this is interesting. It's awesome to see just Paul's writing and his way of thinking in, in this writing and in, in this chapter. Like he jumps to some practical things and then he gets into some spiritual things and then he uses some examples. And here's a, a practical example. Now, remember, we, we're jumping down from this thought of not letting down or not letting, uh, having this righteous anger. That's the thought that Paul is uh, creating. He's, he's, he's saying that having a righteous anger is not giving place to the devil. It's not giving him opportunity to take ground. That is what a, having a righteous anger is about. Now, then he goes from that thought of having this righteous anger, pushing forward, in the things of God, advancing His kingdom. He says, Ephesians 4, 28 and 29, Let the thief steal no more, but rather let him be industrious, making an honest living with his own hands, so that he may be able to give those to those in need. Let no foul or polluting language or evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor to those who hear it. Now, what is Paul communicating here? Firstly, again, from a place of identity in Christ, from a place of knowing who you are in Christ and who your provider is, there will be no need or no thoughts in your life about wanting to steal. We need to kind of get the cart behind the horses, so to speak. So when he's talking about here, not to steal, but rather to work hard, and then I, I'm going to look at what, what the, the, the point is that he's carrying across, across even further, we need to understand that he's not talking again about producing fruit. He's talking about our identities. We need to understand that not wanting to steal it's a matter of identity, not a matter of doing right or wrong. It's a matter of having the life of Christ live inside of you. But then he goes on and he, and he illustrates this point. Working hard with your hands so that you may be able to give to those in need. So again, what is the intention? What is the purpose of working? It's not just for your needs to be met. The gospel isn't self-centered. Some of you didn't bless you. The gospel isn't self-centered. I'm going to say it again. Just so you sure uh, you heard me right. The gospel isn't self-centered. It's not all about me. Yeah, clearly it's talking about working, not stealing, so that not that your needs can be met. Yes, your needs, God wants your needs to be met. But He also wants you and all of us to meet the needs of one another. 
that might be material, that might also be emotional. There might, there's different aspects having our needs met. Then he goes on, he talks about let no foul or polluting language, this is interesting, or evil words or unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such, only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress. Say spiritual progress. Spiritual progress of others as a fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace to those who hear it. This is awesome. What are you talking about more than anything else? What is on your heart and mind more than anything else? It's easy to identify what is on your heart. How? One of the ways is look at your bank accounts. Look at what you're spending your money on. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's easy to identify that. But then also, it's, it's easy to look at what you value based on what are you spending your time on? And then what are you talking about? Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We can't sidestep those things. We can't kind of pretend. Those three things are very valuable in measuring what we really value. Money spent, time spent, and what we're speaking about, what we're talking about. Only such speech, and I almost want to say not just speech. Some translations probably use the word conversation, and conversation generally is just translated over to speech, just communication. But uh, communication and conversation oftentimes just is talking about your life. Let your life portray something. Let your life speak something. What? What should your life be speaking? Things that are good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. This is awesome. This is God's heart's desire for us. To have our lives line up with His desire. What's his desire for all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth? In salvation, that's relationship with God. It's enjoying intimacy with him. It's being set free from the bondage of this world, being set free from the ideas and the opinions of this world, what the world says you need to be, what the world says you need to become. Being set free from that and coming into alignment to what God created you to be, who he created you to be. When we live for something more than just having our carnal needs met and desires to be met, we won't be falling into any type of sin. That's powerful. Can I say that again? When we live for something more than just having our carnal needs met and the desires met, we won't be falling into any type of sin. For example, stealing. When you're so busy with living out your calling as a child of God, receiving from Him, and being a blessing to those around you, you're not going to think stealing because you're not thinking about yourself. I'm ministering to you guys and I'm ministering to myself as well. Just remember that. I'm not preaching at you. I'm not telling that you're wrong and you're living in sin. That's not what Paul is saying either. But he's bringing a truth across and for us to come to understand this truth that when we're living life on purpose with God, with the mindset that God didn't just create me, to kind of live a 24-hour day, indulge in my flesh, feed my flesh, and then die at age 80, God's desire for you is more than that. And the more than that is not talking about more houses, more cars. 
more money, the more than that is significance. It's a life of significance. What is a life of significance? It's a life that is living with Jesus and having Jesus live through you. Because when Jesus is living through you, you're going to impact the people around you. They're going to experience eternal life, relationship with God, and their lives will never be the same again. That's significance. It's not the, the amount of money that you've got in your bank account. It's not the amount of uh, retirement funds that you've got. It's not the, the, the title that you have before your name. It's not your marital status. That's not significance. Significance is having the Spirit of God live inside of you and having His Spirit live through you. Every day, not just Sunday, not just that live group. 1 Corinthians 2, 2 one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Paul writing, he says, For I resolved to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, and to be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's powerful. I want to encourage you guys. Meditate on this verse. Become well acquainted with this verse. Make this verse personal in your lives. Because Paul is communicating something across here. What are you conscious about? What are you having knowledge about? What are you focusing on more than you should, so to speak? Because Paul is writing and he says, he made a conscious effort, not a subconscious, a conscious effort. And he had an intentionality about focusing on one thing. Not a hundred things, not various things, but one thing, and that was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What does that mean? What does that mean, practically speaking, when we go to work on Monday? How do we apply this verse, the scripture, into our lives? Monday, tomorrow, when we go to work, or tonight when we go to bed, or this afternoon when you leave this gathering? How do I make this verse applicable in my lives? To know one thing, to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What does that mean? How does that look? It's very simple. Second, 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. All men to be saved to come to knowledge of the truth. How can you, as you leave this building, have that one thing as your focus? Because that's the message of the Bible. That's Jesus Christ. That's His message. The one, the only message of the Bible is Jesus crucified, Jesus raised from the dead, for a purpose. What's that purpose? His spirit living in man, his spirit living through man. How can you help make that perfect desire of God come to pass when you leave this building? When you go and sit at a restaurant and someone serves you, when you walk from point A to point B, you walk past a stranger. That stranger has a spiritual condition. That lady at the carpet place, she's got a spiritual condition. The owner at the coffee shop, he's got a spiritual condition. It's one of two things. There aren't various options. It's not multiple choice. It's two options. Spiritual condition, either one with Christ for all of eternity or not one with Christ for all of eternity. There needs to be an urgency stirred in our hearts and that is what Paul, Paul's whole message and his continual ministry is about. For us to come to experience, to know the love of Christ. 
Because the love of Christ is not just a love for us, but it's a love for the people around us. The people whose names we don't even know. Jesus knows their names. He desires for them to be reached. He desires for them to come to know him. And you might be the only person who could help them come to know the love of Christ. And that's a privilege. That's an honor. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.